Good morning. It's 8.30 on Wednesday, June 27th. I'm Karen Brown, and this is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. On today's show, the results are in. We'll hear from the winners in Tuesday's primary runoff elections. Then the annual Kids Count Report is out. Find out how Mississippi has made improvements in child well-being. Mississippi ranked 48 out of 50 this year, and that's the first time since 1991 that we have been at 48. And a weekend learning event hopes to get Mississippi kids and parents reading. Reading is so important. We don't just want to encourage the child to read. We want to encourage the entire family. At this event, we get to do that. That's all coming up. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. The winners of Mississippi's primary runoffs say they're celebrating their victories with eyes toward the November election. In the Democratic runoff election for U.S. Senate, State Representative David Beria of Bay St. Louis defeated Howard Sherman, a venture capitalist. By 8.40 last night, Beria was announced the winner. He spoke with our Desiree Frazier, saying he's already thinking about the next phase of the journey. Well, I was clearly very excited, but also relieved that it had been called in our favor and that this phase of the campaign is over. Then, you know, you immediately start thinking about how you got to where you are. And I am uh, very, very grateful for, first of all, the voters and and, then for all of my volunteers who worked so hard to get us to this point uh, and to my colleagues in the House and the Senate for their endorsements and also for their hard work back in their districts encouraging people to vote uh, for me, somebody that they, you know, their, their constituents probably have never met. And they, they did that because they trust uh, those folks who I work with. And, and then, of course, I'd be remiss if I didn't thank Congressman Benny Thompson. So this was a real team win. What is it about your message that you think resonated with voters? Well, I think that folks are ready for a change. And, you know, they are tired of sending the same people to Washington and getting the same results. Back in Mississippi, they're tired of not having somebody who they feel like represents their interests in Washington. Uh, And, you know, I am who I am, and I didn't try to be somebody I wasn't in this campaign. And I think people appreciated that authenticity, and they, they know where I stand on the issues because I have a record on those issues, and they know that we have a good opportunity to win in November with me. There was a feeling that this was going to be a tight race. Did that concern you, that perception? No, no, that didn't concern me at all. I mean, I I knew that there was going to be a slight drop-off in this runoff. I knew that some of the votes that other candidates got would come to me and some would come to my opponent. Uh, And you just have to redouble your efforts and get out there and work and communicate with people. And In fact, I thought this was going to be closer than it ended up being, but I'm not daunted or worried when somebody tells me a race is going to be close about if I was, I never would have run my very first race in 2007. What comes now? You're going to be running against uh, U.S. Senator Roger Wicker in the November election. How are you going to prepare for that? The same way I prepared for this, we're just going to continue to have a conversation with voters, and we're going to expand that conversation to all Mississippians. And I believe that when they hear what I have to say, when they hear our message they're going to agree that there are a lot more issues that unite us than divide us. And a lot of efforts in the past have been focused on trying to pit people against one another in campaigns. And what I'm going to talk about are the kind of issues that are important to all working Mississippians. 
and we can find commonality on that, and we can have a conversation around uh, the importance of investing in ourselves by fully funding our system of public education and providing health care to all of our citizens and fixing our infrastructure issues. So I want to change that conversation. I want to change the narrative, and I think people are ready to hear a new narrative. Even in a state that is largely Republican and conservative? That's just like my district that I keep winning in. It's largely Republican and conservative, and I've been elected three times there. So, yeah, I I think that when you have the right message and when folks uh, believe that you're credible and you're going to do what you tell them you're going to do, then they will cross over and vote for you. Representative Beria, we really appreciate your time. Thank you very much. Thank you, Desiree. Madison and Rankin County District Attorney Republican Michael Guest won the Republican nomination for the 3rd Congressional District seat during Tuesday's runoff race. Guest pulled out an early lead against his opponent, businessman Whit Hughes. By 8.15 last night, the race was called for Guest. He spoke with MPB's Desiree Frazier, saying his team worked hard to get his supporters to the polls. It's exciting night for me and my family to see kind of this uh, six months of hard work uh, pay off tonight. And so we are uh, excited uh, as we've uh, watched the results come in. Uh, uh, we're excited about being the Republican nominee. And uh, we're looking at hopefully uh, being able to uh, unite the rest of the uh, Republican Party behind us as we look, try to move into November. Do you think the support of the governor helped you? Yes, ma'am. I, I think uh, the support of the governor, as well as the endorsement by the NRA that we received this weekend, I think that those were uh, two critical things here late in the, the runoff cycle uh, that definitely helped. Uh, and I believe it also helped drive uh, turnout and uh, got people to go to the polls uh, today uh, as we were looking to try to, uh, as much as possible, avoid the drop off that you normally have from a, a primary to a runoff. What do you think it was about your message that resonated with the folks who voted for you? What I believe is, that, you know, uh, throughout this campaign, we campaigned on the fact that uh, for the last 22 years, you know, I have fought for the people of Mississippi. I've worked with the men and women of law enforcement, our judicial officials, to see that our uh, communities are safe and that they're great places to live and worship and raise a family. And so I believe that the people of the 3rd Congressional District felt that I would be the best candidate uh, to go to Washington and to fight for our conservative values in Washington, D.C. And now in November, you go up against Democrat Mike Evans. That is correct. Yes, ma'am. We know that at this point we uh, still have uh, one more race uh, t- uh, to run in November. Uh, and uh, we will be working to uh, unite those supporters of other candidates who uh, did not uh, win the nominee uh, and hope that they will support us. Uh, the great thing about this race is that there were, uh, including myself, six quality uh, conservative candidates, uh, all who would have uh, done a great job representing uh, the people of the state of Mississippi. And so uh, our job in the coming uh, days and weeks ahead will be to reach out to the supporters of those six candidates uh, and try to get them to rally behind us in November. And lastly, did you talk to your opponent, Whit Hughes? I did, yes, ma'am. I spoke to him a little while ago. Uh, he called, he and his wife, Shelly, called and spoke to uh, myself and Haley. Uh, he congratulated us. So we had a very nice conversation. Uh, and uh, I have known Mr. Hughes before this race and uh, enjoyed throughout this race having the chance to get to see he and Shelly. Uh, uh, it's uh, never uh, fun when you have to 
uh, run a race against someone that uh, you're friends with. Uh, but that's uh, what happened in this particular race. But he was very kind and gracious. All right, Michael Guest, thank you so much for taking the time to speak with us. Yes, ma'am. The general election will be Tuesday, November 6th. Coming up, the annual Kids Count Report is out. Find out how Mississippi has made improvements in child well-being. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. MPB Think Radio loves to help with lots of subjects, but between 9 and 10 on Wednesday mornings, we focus on your nest. On Fix It 101, we want to help you make your place safer, quieter, drier, brighter, bigger, cooler, cozier, or the opposite of any of those things, depending on your preference. The pros are Delmore of Affordable Solutions 601 and Jeff Sammons of Houseworks. I'm the amateur and host, Jason Klein. So go ahead and ask away. Fix It 101 is Wednesdays at 9 on MPB Think Radio. Mississippi Public Broadcasting presents Super Reader Super Fun, a family fun day, Saturday, June 30th from 9 until 2 at the Jackson Convention Complex. Enjoy a live Sean Brown Super Fun show, storytelling, and meet your favorite PBS and MPB characters. Sign up for this free community event at mpbonline.org forward slash summer learning. Made possible by a ready-to-learn grant provided by the U.S. Department of Education to the Corporation for Public Broadcasting. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. I'm Karen Brown. Mississippi is improving in the nation's ranks for child well-being. According to the Kids Count Data Book, compiled by the Annie E. Casey Foundation, Mississippi has improved for the first time in nearly 30 years. The report, released today, ranks the state at 48 out of 50. Researchers say the state is making slight improvements in areas such as health, education, and the economic well-being of kids. Heather Hanna is with the Social Science and Research Center at Mississippi State University. She says the unemployment rate is a contributing factor. The Annie Casey Foundation publishes a national data book each year. How many indicators are there in this survey? There are 16 indicators, and Mississippi saw improvements across 13 of those this year. And before we get to the specifics, how are these indicators measured, or how is that data collected? They use publicly available data from across the nation on these 16 indicators. Um, They measure economic well-being, education, health, and family and community um, status for children. You started to say that Mississippi did better this year, so let's get on to the good news. What are the improvements that were made? Yeah, well, Mississippi ranked 48 out of 50 this year, and that's the first time since 1991 that we have been at 48. And as I said, we improved on 13 out of the 16 indicators. And we did see gains in education over above the rest of the nation, And I think we can credit our Department of Education in getting more children proficient in fourth grade reading and graduating on time. And while we're pleased with that, we would really like to see more publicly funded early care and education programs in Mississippi because that's one area that we have made some progress. Our pre-K collaboratives have been a big success, and if we can get that program statewide for all of our children, that would be even better because right now we're serving only a couple of thousand kids. The fourth grade reading, does this have anything to do with the third grade reading gate as it was referred to? Absolutely. I think we're seeing the benefits of that. That was passed in 2013. These data run through 2016 and no doubt that that has had an impact. 
What about the increased number of graduates, of high school graduates? What's that attributed to? Well, there are a number of programs across the state that work to improve that, and I think we're seeing some success there as well. What else did Mississippi improve on? We really improved in our economic well-being, uh, which that was true across the nation. Everyone has, most everyone has seen gains. However, we are still the highest in terms of our poverty rate. We're at 30 percent. And for African-American children, we're at 46 percent, which when you think about it is a lot. And we know that poverty increases the likelihood that a child will experience toxic stress, which can really impair brain development, lead to poor academic, cognitive health outcomes. So we'd like to see policies in the state, such as enacting the refundable earned income tax credit, the way that they've done at the federal level, because we know that's been such an anti-great anti-poverty measure. I think it's the first time I've heard toxic stress. Yeah, toxic stress. And that is what happens when children grow up in a high-poverty environment. If they grow up in a low-income family, we know those families are struggling. And very often the brain development of children is impacted by that toxic stress. So that stress can occur at an early age? Oh, yes, absolutely. The earlier we target our programs for, really it starts in utero, and we want to support our pregnant mothers and make sure that they have the health care that they need, that they have the prenatal care that they need for the healthy development of the child, and it goes right on up from there. We should mention that this data book is overall child well-being. And you mentioned 16 indicators, but are they prioritized in any way? Will will one area benefit a child more than another? No, I think it's the combination, sure. I think that, of course, education is important, but all the areas, they work together. They all impact child well-being, and so that's why they really divide it up into the four different dimensions. What challenges does Mississippi still face in terms of this report? Well, in our family and community rankings, we had improvements on all four indicators, but we're still 50th in the nation. And this really points to our kids who are living in high poverty areas. We want to make sure that we're targeting economic development projects where they're most needed and making sure our public investments create jobs and business opportunities for low-income communities. We have a number of children living in single-parent families, and we know no matter how hard those families are trying that those kids still are not going to have the resources. So that's where we come in as a society to make sure that those institutions are strong to support those kids. What will it take to make these improvements? You said as a societal change, that's a pretty big order. It is. It's a big order, but there are very specific policies that we can change that are pro-child policies. They are not Democratic policies, they are not Republican policies, they're pro-child policies that Mississippi Kids Count has been advocating for a number of years that we feel can really move the needle for the state. And we encourage everyone to go to our website, Mississippi Kids Count, and explore those. Can people see the entire report at that site? We will put up a link, yes, to the national report on our site. Some final thoughts on this report? Well, overall, I think we have some momentum in the state, and we just want to make sure we make the kinds of investments that we need to to keep the momentum going. There's no reason why Mississippi can't continue to climb the ranks. Dr. Heather Hanna is an assistant research professor at the Social Science Research Center at Mississippi State University. Dr. Hanna, thank you very much for the information. Thank you. 
Brooke Floyd is director of Children's Services at Jackson nonprofit Stupont. She agrees stress can affect children over the long term if not addressed. I recently received some training on um, how stress and well, traumatic injuries on children can affect their growth and can stifle their growth. But a traumatic instance could be anything. It could be stress. It could be a parent losing a job. It could be food insecurity. Um, it could be a crime in their neighborhood. I mean, the list goes on of things that can stress a child out. And once that stress or that trauma uh, occurs, then their brains are affected. And if someone doesn't help them relearn how to deal with issues and, and have positive uh, outcomes from even though something difficult happens, how to deal with those, uh, those emotions and those feelings, then yes, it can drastically affect, it can affect number one, how they relate to people, which goes to our empathy and sympathy. And then it can also drastically affect their ability to learn, to focus, to pay attention. The list of things that it affects and the, and the fact that we're not taking it seriously and not providing, uh, or we don't have the time, I guess, for licensed therapists to uh, work with our children in the public schools every day, every week. You would think with all the studies coming out about it that that would be the number one thing that our schools would try to do because it definitely um, keeps children from being their best selves. The full report is available online at kidscount.ssrc.msstate.edu. Coming up, a weekend learning event hopes to get Mississippi kids and parents reading. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. If you miss anything on MPB Think Radio, you can always stay up to date by logging on to our website at mpbonline.org or use your mobile device and download our MPB public media app. This is MPB Think Radio, where Mississippi is our mission. I'm Dr. Jimmy Stewart, professor of pediatrics and internal medicine at the University of Mississippi Medical Center, and this is a Southern Remedy Health Minute. I've got warts, and I wanted to know, is there anything other than freezing them off and then keeping them covered that can be done? All warts are caused by a viral infection. The most common one are the plain or flat warts that you find, and you can find those most commonly on the hands or feet. There's not really a way to prevent those on the body, per se, that you just sort of have to treat those. Most of the time, if you do something to that wart surface, what you're doing is you're getting rid of that tissue, but you're also stimulating the immune system in that area to put up a fight against those viral particles there. It's going to be one of those things that you just, when they pop up, you deal with them. But the dermatologists are the experts on that. For more health tips and medical information, listen to Southern Remedy each weekday morning at 11 on MPB Think Radio. The Health Minute is underwritten by Blue Cross and Blue Shield of Mississippi. Live healthy on the go with the MyBlue mobile app available on the Apple App Store or Google Play. More information at bcbsms.com. It's good to be blue. Are you looking for something fun to do this summer? You should check out the MPB events calendar. It has tons of great events. We're talking water slides, kids activities, and even some summer night concerts that are just awesome. If you want to find something nearby or far away, check it out because we have activities across the whole state. If you want a date night or a play day, we have that covered too. There's tons to do for any age, anywhere, anytime. And it's all online at mpbonline.org. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. I'm Karen Brown. 
Summer reading can help Mississippi children gain and retain knowledge, and reading with parents can have a lasting impact. That's according to educators and advocates. Mississippi Public Broadcasting is encouraging the practice with its fifth annual Summer Learning Family Fun Day this Saturday. Participants from all over the state will join together to boost education among Mississippi families. Sheila Brown is Director of Early Childhood Education at MPB. She says reading is fundamental for success. I know that five years ago, we decided to celebrate National Summer Learning Day. And with that event, it was such a great hit. Uh, Lots of participation, parents and teachers and everyone around the state of Mississippi uh, raved about the event and we decided to do it again. Well, now we're in our fifth year uh, and we're excited just as we were the very first time to host this event for the entire family. This is a fun family event that Mississippi Public Broadcasting puts on to show that we are excited. Reading is so important. We don't just want to encourage the child to read. We want to encourage the entire family. At this event, we get to do that. We invite others to come and be a part of this with us. We tell our families to just simply enjoy. We want them to read together. We plan activities for the entire family to do together. Do you invite families because, as you said, it's important for parents to read to kids? Why is it important? Why, why is that good for the child? Well, when a child sees their parent or any adult reading, that makes them want to read even more. If I read, you read. That's one of our models that we tell our parents to say. I read, you read. And we read together. Will you have parents or or adults reading to kids? Oh, indeed, we do. This year, we have storytellers. We have every station is represented by a children's book. And this is the best one yet. Are there classic children's books? Are there ones that kids love to read over and over? Yes, there are some classics. There are some MPB favorites um, that's going to be at this event this year. Yes, it is. For instance, we have Chrysanthemum. Uh, We have The Cat in the Hat is Back. We have... No green eggs and ham? (laughs) No, no green eggs and ham. Even though green eggs and ham will be a part of one of the activities, I'm sure. Moving on, is there a particular age or age group you're focusing on? This event is from birth to 99. We want everyone (laughs) to be a part of this because we are encouraging everyone to read. This event is very important because during the summer months, children need to be reading They need to be learning so that when they go back to school in August, there is no loss. There is only gain. And that's one of the biggest reasons why we do this event, because we want children having a success in school. And Mississippi Public Broadcasting wants to play a huge part of that. And the only way we can do that is we have to show them we have to be present at this event to show them that we really do care. We care about the education of all our children. Can you give me an example of a hands-on activity that will be going on Saturday? Well, one of the uh, activities that Mississippi Public Broadcasting has planned is Curious George. Curious George is a huge fan. Of course, all the children want to come out because Curious George will make an appearance this year. I'm a huge fan of Curious George. I am too. So there will be a Curious George event that get the curiosity 
going. And so we're excited. I want to give all of it away, but we're excited to see children and what they are curious about, even their parents, even their parents. It's this Saturday. It's this Saturday, June 30th from 9 to 2. It's a come and go, but please stay as long as you want so that you can have the opportunity to engage in all of the activities and meet other people and talk about these great books. At the Jackson Convention At Complex. The ja- yes. yes. All right. Sheila Brown is the director of Early Childhood Education here at MPB. Thank you, Sheila. Thank you. Stay tuned to MPB Think Radio for a full slate of Mississippi-based programs all morning long. Coming up at 9, it's Fix It 101. Then at 10, Everyday Tech. And at 11, stay tuned for Southern Remedy. If you missed part of the show today, find past episodes of this and other Think Radio programs online at mpbonline.org or by downloading the MPB Public Media app from the Apple or Google Play stores. I'm Karen Brown. Join us again tomorrow morning at 830 for the next Mississippi edition.